iMessage. That's our series. This is message number two. Glad you're here today as we're going into portions of the Gospel of John. I wanted to fill this room with a very familiar aroma. The other night at home group, I was hanging out with Tim Wharton and my man David Green up there in the sound room who is celebrating his birthday today. And I was thinking after a great home group, and we have a great home group, and I, I can't remember what the curriculum was, but I remember the brownies. You ever, be there? You ever been there? Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I do. I remember the brownies. And I, I was thinking to myself the other day, Tim and I took a road trip, Tim Wharton and I, and I said, you know, some of the happiest times in our lives together is always around us filling up on some good food. Anybody else relate to that? Huh? Huh? Let me ask you this question. Is there somebody in here who gets, who can get hangry quickly. Raise your, you can get hangry quickly. I'm going to need you to, oh man, there's a, I'm scared. There's a lot of hands going up. Listen, you know, this smell in here, I'm going to ask you if you're the one of those you have that celebrate recoveries Monday night. But anyway, but also, uh, listen, you're going to have to lean into the Holy Spirit to manifest the fruit of patience because this aroma is going to linger in this room. And if, and if you didn't get a good breakfast, come on, I, I, I want you to stay sweet and, and, and not get, get hangry with us. I know, you'll be, I know you'll be fine. I wanted to set the stage for this message and fill your mind and your senses with the wonderful smell of bread. Because we're going to talk about Jesus' promise to satisfy the deepest hunger in our lives. What a word. What a promise. Now, here's what I know to be true. We all have a lot of issues. No. We all have a lot of issues. I just saw some wife kind of start to look at her husband, then she knew better, and she just looked straight back. You know, I have many good things in my life, many good people, many good friends. I hope you do too. I'm very thankful for happy times, and I have many good moments, good things in life. There are things that I like to do, and when I get to do them, I'm happy. You, right? But a lot of times that happy doesn't necessarily stay. I'm thankful for nice things. I'm thankful for good moments that come around, and some stay longer than others, and they're fun, and they're happy, but they don't leave a lasting satisfaction. And the reason is, is because I have issues, and you have issues, and we have needs, and then we have deep needs. I have a need for God in my life. You have a need for God in your life. You and I, every person living in the world, they would never even dream of going to church. And many don't know this, but there is a hunger inside of them that they don't recognize what it is. And it's a hunger for God. The thing is, we will only know what life was truly intended to be like when the author of life fills our life. 
I know a lot of things in my head about God, about Jesus, about the Holy Spirit, about the Bible. But knowing those things alone doesn't necessarily make my life fulfilled. If that would be the case, the happiest people in the world would be theologians. And trust me, that's not always the case. <laughs> God gave us the Bible, but the Bible isn't God. God gave us, do you suffer from bibliolatry, a form of idolatry, which is you worship the Bible, but not the God of it? Jesus said to the Pharisees, you search the scriptures all the time, and those scriptures testify of me, but you don't come to me. God gave us the Bible, but he's more than the Bible. He's a person. And he is where the Bible should take us to. Remember the song, maybe you used to sing it as a kid. I used to sing it, if you're happy and you know it. Clap your If you're happy and you know it. Stomp your feet. You know the other line? If you're happy and you know it, then your life will surely show it. If you're happy and you know it, then your life will surely show it. Who is the first person that comes to your mind when I say, blank is a happy person? Someone pop in your mind? In your family circle, your friend circle? Blank is a happy person. Let me ask you, why is that? Okay, blank is somebody who can get very hangry. Don't look around. Here's one. Listen to this one. Blank lives a life that proves... I'm going to say it again. Blank lives a life that proves Jesus truly satisfies. Anybody pop in your head? Dallin Oaks said, I believe many of us are overnourished on entertainment junk food and undernourished on the bread of life. This series is about Jesus. I love when worship songs have the word Jesus in them. They all did today. I love them. Because guess what? Church is about Jesus. Think of that. Jesus is about Life and life is about Jesus. And Jesus made some powerful promises. And he claims that if we believe them, they will meet the deepest needs in our lives. Think of that. Jesus did not point to a plan, a method, a program, a philosophy, or a practice. He pointed to himself. Jesus lived in history, but his resurrection not only validates the claims he made then, but because he's alive, those claims are alive too. His promises are alive too. His promises are empowered. His promises are for right now if we believe. 
Today we go to the sixth chapter in the Gospel of John, where we will read and hear one of those promises. And I'm going to ask you a new custom here, if you would stand one more time for the reading of this passage in the Word of the Lord, the Gospel of Jesus Christ. John 6, verse 35, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Lord, oh Lord, we are so needy. We are deeply and desperately in need of you to continue to feed our souls. Open the eyes of our heart. Give us the grace to believe and receive. And we thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit in the church in your name, Jesus, we pray. Everybody said amen. You may be seated. He is saying every one of us has a deep, unquenchable hunger on the inside of us. And then he promises that he, he is the answer to that deep hunger. He uses the word never twice. Whoever believes in him will never hunger, never thirst. He offers a bread that causes us to be completely satisfied, blessed, happy. Eulogia is the word. Good words, good on you. If you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be satisfied. Jesus says that if you're happy and you know it, yeah. If you're happy and you know it, if you're not, let me show it. Let's survey John 6 real quickly. It's the second Passover. John, in his gospel, basically gives us, and this is where a lot of scholars think that Jesus' ministry lasted around three years, maybe three and a half, because in John's gospel, it starts right after the wedding of Cana in Galilee. It's Passover time, and Jesus, for the first of the two times, goes into the temple and overturns the tables. He does it twice, first Passover. We're in about the time of the second Passover. We're about two years into the ministry of Jesus, and he is greatly popular. He's a rock star, seriously. He can't even go into the towns and villages to do ministry anymore because the crowds are too massive. They've come even outside of, of Israel. They've come from Tyre and Sidon and the, and the ten towns of Decapolis up in the north part of Galilee. They've come from beyond the Jordan, and that just says that way out there, okay? And so the, the, the multitudes are massive. Uh, the other gospel writers say that Jesus sees this crowd. They've come because he's been healing the sick, and that would draw a crowd, wouldn't it? I mean, if, 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 every, if someone walked into the hospital in Cumberland and every person in there got healed, I think people might come to Cumberland. That word would get out. This is what was going on. And so the crowds were massive, and they're out in the middle of nowhere, and there isn't a restaurant, there's no tavern, there's no pub, and Jesus has compassion on them, and then in John's account, he, he, he wants to feed them and help them, and so he does. That's the, it's called the feeding of the 5,000, but there's probably more accurately eight to 10,000 people there. And he feeds them, and if you notice closely, he fills them. They eat to a point of satisfaction, and then the crowd goes, we like this, we need him, let's, quote, make him our king. 
When Jesus finds out they want to make him their king, he goes up higher in the mountains and disappears. He hides himself. They wait at the bottom of the mountain for him to come down. He won't come down. He won't come down. They wait and wait. He never comes down. So they get on boats and go across the Sea of Galilee. They cross it in boats. The disciples cross it in boats. And Jesus crosses it with his feet. He walks on the water across back to Capernaum where the crowd finds him in the synagogue. And they say, hey, how did you get here? Because, <laughs> you know, there were no, how did you get here? And then he says to them, he doesn't answer them that. He goes to the deep thing. He goes, you guys are looking for me because I gave you bread. And they went, yeah. He said, well, that's not why I gave you bread. Don't work for that kind of bread. Work for the bread. And then they don't understand that because that's most of the gospel is a gospel where the people never get it. Even those that are close to him never get it. And the only one that gets it is him. And then when he explains to them what the message of the miracle is, most of even his disciples say, wait a minute, that's too difficult, that's too complicated, that's too hard, that's too close. My eye message would have to melt on that, and I'm not into that. I'm out. That's John 6. Let's go back again. Great crowds, probably close to 10,000 people. They're there because people are being healed of blindness and deafness, and they're not crippled anymore, and, and lepers are getting cleansed, right? Wouldn't you go? I'd be there. I'd get there. What time do the doors open? Save me a seat. I'd fight for a seat, wouldn't you? And then there's this great miracle. Five barley loaves... Two small fish and eight to 10,000 people not only eat but are filled. Then the 12 go out with 12 baskets and fill to the top baskets full for each one of the disciples. Great miracle. But there's a great misunderstanding. The people are amazed. They want to force Jesus to become the kind of king they've been looking for. A military miracle-working king who will drive Rome out of their land. James Montgomery Boyce, one of my favorite expositors, says, using the word king by John, says that the crowd was willing to support Jesus because they wanted to use him to throw off Roman oppression either directly in Judea or indirectly through Herod Antipas. And suddenly there was this unusual man, Jesus. He had miraculous power, so they must have said something like this. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could get him on our side? Wouldn't it be great if Jesus was a Republican? Wouldn't it be great if Jesus would just get behind this health care program? Wouldn't it be awesome? If Jesus would just kill all the Muslims? Wouldn't it be great if Jesus would just take our political passions and just anoint them and we could change the whole country? It's not what he did. He hid from that. He said, bye. I didn't come to be your bread king. I'm not interested in your American dream. I heard John Piper say it like this one time. They didn't see Jesus as precious. They saw his gifts as precious. What a useful king 
he will be for us. Let's have Jesus be our king. He will keep our bellies full. John goes on to say, Jesus doesn't want to be that kind of a king. And he's not looking for those kind of disciples. The main export from America to Africa is a theology that can be mistaken that says, he wants your stuff to multiply. He wants your car payment paid. He wants your furniture to be new every now and then. He wants you to have new suits and new shoes. Get all that. That's why Jesus is here. Believe for it. And that caused a great getaway. Jesus realizes this, and so he goes higher up in the mountains and he leaves them, and he will not be their kind of king. And he will not be our kind of king. That's the Bible, Jesus. And that caused great conflict. When he explains the meaning of the miracle, the real message behind the miracle, the people say, no thanks. Think of that. Think of that. That's the general story. But I want to take you inside the story. There is an inside story too. And it's, it's this. The people that were in the crowd didn't know the back story, the inner circle story. Let me tell you about the inner circle story. Great, great lessons. The close followers of Jesus get to see and hear the details. Remember at the wedding of Cana? Only the servants knew where that wine came from. The crowd didn't know. The crowd on that hill didn't know where that bread and fish came from. The multitudes didn't hear Jesus ask Philip, Philip, where are we going to get bread to feed all these people? They didn't hear that. The multitudes didn't know where the bread came from. Close followers of Jesus get more details and learn greater life lessons about him than the crowds. And then there are big eye messages revealed in the lives of the disciples. Listen, here's an eye message. Philip, where are we going? And you know what Philip says? I, I, I look at how God can do things through a logical mindset. That was his eye message. It came out. He said, he even knew it down. He said, it would take half a year's wages. He was a calculator. He was a logical mind. He looked at what God could do based on if we can afford it, what can we do with how We can buy this much because we've got this much. And even if we spent half a year's wages, it would only give a smidgen to the people. So that isn't going to work. Jesus already knew he was going, what he was going to do, so he wanted to bring this up in Philip so Philip could go, I need to learn something about this thing here. And then the crowds... They were like, wow, miracles, we've been waiting. We were always told that God was going to come someday and do all these miracles, and now the miracles are here, and we want your miracles, but we really aren't interested in deep intimacy with you on your terms. Man, we want your miracles. I want my kid to find the right guy. I want you to guide me to the right job. 
There are big watershed moments that take place. Many that followed him from the Galilee, from the very first Passover, many, that on, and after the meaning of this miracle, the Bible says many left him from that point on. That you know what they said? This, this is too hard. This asks for too much. You know, what, you know why they said that? Because Jesus said, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood or you won't have any life in you. You have to live in complete connection to my sacrificial death for you. You and I are to be one. You draw all your life from me, everything from me. And I long to give everything to you. And as a matter of fact, on the last day, I will raise your body up from the grave. I'll never turn anybody away who comes to me like that. And they said, that would require me to shrink my eye message. So I'm out. That's the gospel. That's Jesus. There are highlights in John 6. One of them is the one we're talking about. In John 6, 11, Jesus took the loaves, five loaves of bread, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated, I love this, as much as they wanted. And he did the same with the fish. I mean, as much as they wanted, he just kept giving and giving and giving and giving and giving. Can you imagine that? And then the bread itself. Jesus said, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives, constantly gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. I like my favorite New American Standard version better because it says, for the bread of God is He. I love NIV too, but I think He is closer. The bread of God is He who gives life to the world. The bread of God contains life in it. The bread of God, Jesus said, I live because my Father lives in me. And you can live because I will live in you. The bread, I'm the bread. If you eat this bread, you will have eternal life. Eternal life is not just something that you get when you go to heaven because you ask Jesus in your heart. Eternal life is what you get the moment Jesus comes in your heart. But eternal life is something that we feed on. Eternal life is not a thing that we put on the back bench and we say, well, I'm a Christian, when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. Eternal life is now. Eternal life is Jesus. And when I feed on Jesus, I am experiencing Zoe, which is eternal life. The Logos revealed this. The message from heaven is this. In him is life, and that life is the light. Of men. When we have intimacy with Jesus on his terms, when his word has home in our heart, it will fulfill the deepest yearnings and longings. When his spirit is given place in our space, the water of the spirit, according to Jesus, will quench our deepest thirsts. 
There are messages in the miracle. All through John, and we're going to look at in the IMs, every miracle that Jesus does, the message isn't the miracle. The miracle has the message in it, and it's the people who focus on the miracles who always misunderstand the message. Jesus heals people, but he didn't come here to heal people bodily. He came here to heal our souls. Here's the message of the miracle. Jesus' heart is the message of the miracle. Jesus has massive mercy for the hungry multitudes. And he used physical bread to teach them something about a deeper need. Jesus has massive mercy for all the people. He knows how to reach everyone and knows exactly what they need and what I need. You know what it is? Him in massive measure. I need him massively. You need him massively. The church needs Jesus. You know what? We will spend the rest of our lives trying to figure out the mysteries of tragedies. When bad things happen to good people, little kids, are, you know what the answer to it is? You know what the answer to it is? That there isn't an answer to that on this side. You know what the answer is? I will give you bread. I will give you myself. That's the answer right now. And if we're not good with that, we're going to get offended. We're going to get tripped up. We're going to get scandalized. And, and the danger about it is in the modern day church, we focus on the other miracles rather than the miracle of God being able to go into a toxic, poisonous, self-centered soul like mine and yours and tranquilize that, change it, and transform it into being someone that trusts him hell or high water and loves even when you don't get anything back. That's the message of this miracle, the heart of Jesus. Not the only one. Here's the other message. Tests. Jesus says, Philip, where are we going to find bread to feed these people? And he says, he said this to test Philip because he already knew what he was going to do. Test means to bring something up that you didn't know was there by creating a circumstance that make you manifest what you really believe and think. Philip's answer proved where his faith was and the way he looked at the world. And Jesus wanted Philip to realize that and go, whoops. Calculators are good in the right moment, but Jesus has taken me somewhere where he's beyond the logic of my mind. Here, here's, look. Jesus leads all of us into crises of faith regarding our diet, our duties, and our devotion. Will you read that out loud with me? Jesus leads all of us into crises of faith regarding our diet, our duties, and our devotion. See, he, he creates these things, and then he wants us to take a leap into faith. And most of the time in our lives, when we have to take a leap into faith, it's in the time of crisis. We are usually stumbling our way to belief. <laughs> We're usually not prancing in smart. You know what I've just discovered? I need Jesus Christ. No, it's usually like, ah! The crisis that day. People needed food. 
Jesus knew how he was going to touch them, but he wasn't going to waste the miracle. He wanted the real message to hit home. Here's what a crisis of diet looks like, and I'm not talking about an eating disorder, although there are those, and, and that's not a joke. It's a struggle. But a, but, a, but a diet crisis is this. My appetites are out of control, and they're killing me. I've come to the end of this. As a matter of fact, my spouse said, you've come to the end of this. Or we've come to the end of this. You know what that is? That's a crisis. My appetites are out of control and they're killing me. And Jesus says, I want you to take a leap of faith. I offer you a new kind of diet. I offer you my word. I offer you my presence. I offer you forgiveness. I offer you freedom. Duties, even for God. Jesus can create a crisis in our ministries that look like this. How can my life make a difference in people's lives when there are too many people and only one me? There's too much need and I don't have enough. Jesus creates those moments for us to learn things. If we're going to make a difference in meeting the needs of our home, our church, our world, you're going to need more than you. He wants all of you, but only all of you can do so much. Only all of me can do so much. And the need is always greater than you and your pal. It's way massive. And he creates a crisis so that we learn something. Devotion is a crisis. In other words, I've been following Jesus with all my heart, and I love the music, I love LOH, and then the Lord turns the screws up personally on you. This isn't about other people's peer pressures of where they are, but all of a sudden, God found you, and God is saying something to you, I want more of you. And here's the question, will I remain faithful to him even though the price is getting too personal? Look at the story. Philip, he's like, listen, this can't happen, Jesus. This can't happen. Man, I know you feel it. I feel it too. But we cannot do that. We don't have the money to do that. We, even, if, even, if we, even if the money we did put in it, it wouldn't even touch it. Picture that logical mind. And then another guy, Andrew, goes, I got an idea. This kid here has five Loaves of bread and two fish. No, a little, wee little bitty fish. I don't know where Andrew was coming from there because I have a calculator too in my head. Can you, hey, calculator, don't raise your hand, calculator boy out there, girl. You know the emotion that's going to come up in your think tank meeting when you're the calculator and you've got it down to the penny and realize it isn't going to work, and then Andrew goes, I got an idea. You don't say it out loud, but inside you're saying, this idiot thinks God can use this. That's right. But then even Andrew, maybe he felt the peer pressure after he did it. Maybe he got the look from Calculator Boy. And so then he goes, but, <laughs> yeah, but what's that going to do, right? Do you know how easily we can talk people out of the miracle that God wants to use them to mess with our Calculator Boy minds? 
Do you know how many times with our little nonverbals or our eye rolls or our whatever, we can kill a miracle from birthing because God's using somebody that doesn't fit in our box? And then the followers, hey, man I, I, man, I love the miracles. I love the woozies and the spizzles and the fizzles and the sizzles. Every time we come to one night, I'm all in. I'm all in, baby. I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm all in. I am all, man, I am so all in. I am so all in. Prayer meeting on Saturday night, I can't do that. I don't have time for that. I'd love to do. I would love, I would love, man, i tell you what, man. Can you imagine? Did you see the drawings of, for that uh, extension they're going to do at LOH? That's going to be, can you imagine what that's going to be like? The leap into faith usually is found in our great times of crisis when God asks for more. There's another message, the message of the hideaway. This is something you read over, you miss it. Do you know Jesus hides from us? Sometimes he hides from us when we get out of balance. I put it this way. If you can't find Jesus at the blankets, go to the closet. If you can't find Jesus in the closet, go to the blankets. If you still can't find him, make sure you're looking for the right king. Say it again. If you can't find Jesus, the blankets represent all the people out there in the field. They represent Sunday morning church. They represent the conferences, the hallelujah gatherings, all the great stuff. I love them. I'm going to a hallelujah gathering. Catalyst, I love it, man. It's my man, man. Wow, I love it, man. I love it. I can't wait. They're great times. And I always get blessed there. And people get blessed on Sunday mornings. People get blessed in the big crowd thing. But if you can't find Jesus at the blankets, go to the closet. Remember the closet, Jesus said, you, you and you alone, go in your room, go in the closet, shut the door, and you and God do a thing. So if you can't find Jesus at blankets, it could be that he's hiding a little while because you've just been getting all the blanket stuff, but he wants you to have a personal thing. And sometimes, though, we do it the opposite, in which just me and Jesus, 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 me and Jesus. How are you doing? I don't don't bother me. I'm worshiping Jesus. I got my eyes on the Lord. And he's like, I'm gonna hide from you. Because I don't make lone rangers. You need one another. And so I want you to learn how to receive me from others. That means you're gonna have to ask for help. That means you're going to have to open up your life and let somebody in. And because sometimes Jesus appears through the breaking of the bread. And then if you can't find him there, you might want to check and see if your definition of his kingship is correct. There's to be a balance. See, some people get, only get ministry at church or ministry of Jesus that manifest in Christian gatherings and feed off the faith of others and are very limited in their own personal intimate time. And so sometimes Jesus shuts that down, closes that door, and says, you know what? You really need to dig into me, and I really need to dig into you. So let's get alone together. How many think I'm preaching good? The rest of you raise your hand anyway. <laughs> Have a time and a place to get into my word.
Let's go to the next slide. See, we will either, we will either melt down our I message into the I am, or we will melt down. We will either melt down our I message, or we will muddy the message. You know what it means when the muddy the message? That means the world doesn't get it. We will either melt down our I message, or the multitudes will still search in the dark. The world needs the I am. Now listen closely. The church needs the I am. Not an I message that adds a little I am to it. I want to say that again. We will either melt down our I message, and that's a good thing. Are you with me still? Or we will melt down. Because the only Jesus in us is the Jesus in us. If I'm going to have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, and self-control, it's because I'm eating the bread that has the nutrients of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, and self-control because I ain't got none. And so I must decrease, and he must. I, I heard this story one time about this monk uh, who, who took this other monk out into the water and baptized the monk. And the young monk said, right before the monk baptized him, he said, how do I find God? How do I, how do I really get to find God? And so the monk said, well, I'll tell you that after I baptize you. And he took him down, and he held him under the water. And he wouldn't let him up. And he wouldn't let him up. And he wouldn't let him up. Finally, he didn't want to drown him, so he let him up. And the guy went, <gasps> and the monk said, when you're as desperate for Jesus as you're as desperate to breathe, you'll find God. John 6, 66 to 69, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. He looked at the 12, and he said, guys, do you think I better come up with another plan? Too many people are leaving. Maybe I'm being too offensive. I won't preach Romans 1. I won't talk about the great white throne. What can we do? You know, he did. He looked at him. He said, do you guys want to leave too? What? Do you guys want to leave too? I told you last week, he will never change himself. He came to reveal the truth. He came to reveal the truth. The truth. Simon Peter said, Lord, I love him, don't you? To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know you are the Holy One of God. I left out what Jesus said to them back. 
He didn't say, thanks, guys. I was ready to quit. You have made me want to be a pastor for a little bit longer. I really appreciate your kind words. You know what he said? I chose all you and one of you is a devil. And I have a feeling that Judas at this point may not have known he was. Maybe he had been feeding on the bread. And maybe he wept when the leper was healed. And maybe he was saying hallelujah and praise hallelujah whenever the little girl was raised from the dead. And maybe on the way to here and there, maybe he was still marveling at 8,000 people getting fed. And maybe he took his basket and had it overflow and thought, man, this is awesome. Maybe he was still in that because he was still eating the bread. But somewhere, 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 Judas Iscariot stopped eating the bread. And when I stop eating the bread, I turn back into me. And if you stop eating the bread, I don't care if you're a deacon or a pastor or a healing evangelist, you will turn back into you. And you and me, we are a mess. And a church full of me message, I message, won't do anything for people that need the I am. We must decrease and he must increase or the world will think what we are is no different than what they are. And I will be what I eat. And my strength level will be on what I eat. Man, I wish I had time to preach this because I can't preach the rest. There is a meltdown that we must have. And here's the promise. The I am never melts down. Man. He is so sufficient. The bread of God is fresh. I, I thought, how can we make it mean something? I thought, candles, ding. I thought, I wonder if they make candles that smell like bread in the oven. Because, man, that just fires me up, brother. And Derek was at the office, and Derek and I began to talk. I said, Derek, I'm, I'm, I've got an idea. But I don't know, man. We buy six of those. They're like 18 bucks a shot. Is that worth it? I mean, what is that? Is, uh, couldn't that money be better given to the poor? I mean, but then I, but, and I'm just going to blame Derek, and he's a board member. He said, I'd do it. So... <laughs> Derek, right there. Derek with two R's. Derek. It's Derek. And I have allergies, so I've been up here like choking to death the whole time I've been preaching. <laughs> Ooh, take a big breath. Passed out right at the end of the message. I got to do it again. No. Mm. At the foot of the cross, people can experience a death and a life. Would you stand, please? At the foot of the cross, people can experience a death and a life. The death of self and the life of Jesus. I come to him at the foot of the cross, and 
I come to him in the closet of my life. I come to him on the blankets with my friends and my brothers and my sisters at LOH. And I come and I say, I am a man in desperate need. I have no life in me but yours. I have no purity in me but yours. I have nothing that I can bring that can make a difference. Not only in my life I can't make a difference. I don't have anything that can make a difference. And these people are going to come and listen to what I say today. I, I can't walk down the street and have anything that can help somebody change somebody, but unless I shrink and the I am increases, and then, Lord, you can do things that I could never dream of. Help me not to think by the way I think. Help me to hear your heart. Help me to feel your heart. And God, help me to do things and come up with ideas that might even be embarrassing, might even make people mad because I just uh, think something that, how could it possibly be that, but it's you, and, and I'm just willing to do it, Lord. God, I, I want, you know, look, boy, what would happen if the world saw people who say that Jesus is their Savior but look like it? Who say it but present a satisfied life filled with Him? What kind of evangelistic power would be in that presentation? Jesus said, All who come to me, drawn by the Father, will for no reason ever turn them away. Lord, we want to take a little time right now and feed upon the bread of life. In Jesus' name.